Alright, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Amen. If you believe it, shout it for me. Alright. Um, let's take our confession of understanding quickly. Then we'll take our seats. What I want to do is to teach today. I will give thanks at the end, but the aim for today is teaching, not a normal school of prayer. Alright, one to let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm receiving the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. What is entering my heart is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. And that is what God will do for you again today in Jesus' name. Amen. The word will enter your heart. To give you light. Amen. Direction. Amen. And this is the part I like this day. Healing. Amen. In every area. Amen. Healing. In every area. Amen. There's a kind of healing where I'm going to start hearing the testimonies. People will not even know when they got healed. They just remember they were sick. You see what I said? Yes, they won't know when they got healed. They just remember that they were sick. Ah, I was sick until last week. They now start to remember, okay, after that day I fell asleep and then that's what God is going to do for many people listening to me this evening. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Remember, we have to pay something, right? It's not free. Is it free? No, what do we pay? Attention. What do we pay? Attention. Attention. All right? Attend to my words, he said. Let's give that to it this evening. In Jesus' name. Right, let's take our seat. The Lord is good. Okay, um, I want to sh- share something with us this evening, and um, nothing new. It just um, that was that's what came to my heart, and I believe that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear. And I call it the power of uh, patience. The power of patience is that the title I gave it. I don't often have a title, so when you get a title, be happy. All right, the power of patience. All right, now to commence that, let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter eleven. I believe it's a very important word for many people to hear, the power of patience. I want to explain again what patience is. I want to bring a particular angle to it that many people often overlook in the meaning of that word, patience. We're going to read from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, where I want, um, is quite um, a few verses down, but I'm going to take it from the beginning just to enjoy the reading, and then I'll jump here and there to save time until we get to where I really want us um, to get to. He said from verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You know I'm using the New American Standard Bible. The conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand. Remember we say it all the time, without faith we have no understanding. By faith we understand that the words were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts and through faith though he is dead he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness. 
that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, this is where I wanted to get to, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out. Now, please notice this. He was going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents. Now, please notice this. He was living in which land? No, no. He was living in what? In the land of promise. Thank you. He was living in the land of promise. But at that time, he was living in it as if it was a foreign land to him, as if it's not a place he was going to inherit. But he was living by faith in that land of promise. He had not experienced the things that he was supposed to receive, but he lived there by faith. And it was like a foreign land to him at that, at, at, at that particular moment. He left the land he knew, and he came into the one that he, had, he had been promised, but which he had not yet received. So you see, if he needed something, he had to negotiate with the locals. When he needed to bury his wife, he had to buy a piece of property in the land that he was promised by God. He had to talk to the people, you know. He had to you know, have allegiances with people around. He was living as if he was in a foreign land. You see what patience does for us. He said he was dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Now, the interpretation here is that Isaac went through the same experience. Jacob went through the same experience. Fellow heirs of the same promise. For he, Why did he do all of this? What was faith doing for him? For he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, and is still available till today, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Now notice verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promise. Did you notice that? Abraham died in faith. He did not see the promise fulfilled in his lifetime. Jacob, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, all died in faith. They had not handled, physically speaking, the promise, even though they lived with that in their hearts all the days of their lives. All these died in faith without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country 
of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let me stop reading here. We read to verse 16. All right, that was quite interesting read anyway. Okay, uh, let me continue speaking now. Now, why did I read this? I want to talk about patience. Now, for a moment, um, okay, I'll just go back a few chapters, but don't bother, all right, joining me there. I'll just read out to you, just so that we can quickly save some time. I'm going to read from verse 6, and I'm going to read verse um, uh, 12. He said, um, We desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now notice this. He said, be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit promises. And the example he gave, verse 13, was that when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply you. And so having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. Now, I need to read this. For men swear, okay, no, just bear that one in mind. Let me just stop here. For having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. We just read here that all these died in faith, not having received the promises. Then we have another scripture written by the same person. And the same t- at the same time, there's a continuous flow. He said to us here, Abraham received the promise by faith and patience. I will com- I'll comment on all of it in a moment. I just wanted to read this and put the reading aside for so that we can go into the discussion. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, what is the power of patience? There's something I want to explain about patience that many people don't realize. Faith. There is no faith without patience. Faith is not active if there is no patience along with it. In fact, my understanding is that faith and patience are basically the same thing. But when they are looked at um, over time, when it is looked at over time, it is called patience. When it is looked at at an instant, it is called what? Faith. That is, faith that is held on tightly to is what is called patience. So when the Bible talks about faith and patience, he was saying that faith and continuous faith, that's the way I understand it. That is not just about you have one thing called faith, you go and look for another thing called patience. It, it is that if you have faith and you don't let go of the faith, you'll be said to be walking in patience. So patience is holding on to faith no matter what you see. Patience is holding on to faith no matter what comes your way. Patience is looking at your life all the time on the basis of what God has said. And there are many things that God has said to us. I want us to bear these things in mind. We have been learning that we're created as an example, one of the things we've been learning, for a purpose. So wherever we are in life, we are there for a purpose. And Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Sarah... These people that are mentioned to us in this portion we read in Hebrews chapter 11 will let us understand that Abraham was in a comfortable place. God called him out and sent him into the, you know, the strange land that is where he was living as a stranger, as a, for, as a foreigner. But it was a promised land. Then Isaac was born in that land also. And then Jacob too was born there. And if you remember, when um, Isaac was to get married, when Abraham called Eliezer, uh, the, the chief, the head of the, his household, he said to him, go 
to so and so place and get a wife for my son. And he said to him, and that one now said, what if the woman does not agree to come with me? He said categorically, under no circumstances, all right, nothing will make you take my son back that way. We have left that place, we have left permanently. Anybody that wants to come with us or who wants to experience what we are going to experience has to live there also and come and join us here. Abraham understood that where he was was divinely appointed and he was not going to leave it for anybody. Now, his, his own life was coming to, was going to come to an end. Isaac was going to carry on that covenant. Isaac was going to be the child through whom the promise would be fulfilled. So the instructions to Abraham was passed or were passed on to Isaac. And Isaac had to fulfill everything, including the geographical location where he was situated. I hope you get what I'm trying to say here. Now, let's bear this in mind also that Abraham came from a developed environment and went to another place which was not as developed as where he was coming from. And he kept on moving up and down like that, living in tents. And one reason why he had to live in tents was that he had to move a lot. I'm trying to bring out something here. It was not exactly an extremely comfortable life that he stepped into. But what he did was that the Bible says that he was looking forward to something. Now, we read that he did not even achieve those things. The promise he received was Isaac. That was the one that he was able to hold on to. But the real reason why he was called, he never saw it in his life, in his lifetime. Two things. Number one, the land that he was to inherit, he did not inherit it in his lifetime. It was his descendants that inherited the land. Number two, the real reason, the most important reason he was called was the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The promise was to Abraham and to his seed. Not to his seeds as of many, but to his seed as of one. And the Bible tells us, Paul was writing, that that seed is whom? Is Christ. So you see two things, crucial promises, crucial purposes for the life of Abraham, which he did not experience in his life. That land, he didn't take it in his lifetime. Jesus did not come in his lifetime. But you see something about patience here, that Abraham lived. Now, if you ask somebody like Abraham, by the time he was dying, that what have you lived for? He will have had no regrets. I want you to understand that. Why? Because having seen the promise, for him, it was as good as done. Did you hear what I said? You don't seem to get, get me. He didn't see it physically, but he had a clear vision of it afar, afar off. He knew that he was living for something. Let me say something to you clearly here. This life that God gave to us, we are meant to deposit something, which is, you know, when we talk about we are being built up, that is, I want to use that as an illustration. Each person is putting down a block towards what God is doing. He may not finish it in your lifetime. Listen. Unfortunately, we have not been taught to be eternal-minded. If you read the story of Abraham and Co., those men were taught to think, think about a man like Joseph. When he was dying, he gave instructions concerning his bones. These days we get cremated. <laughs> People get cremated. Uh, who, who, James Bond number one just died a few days ago, <laughs> Sean Connery. And I, I read this afternoon that they're going to scatter his ashes in the Bahamas and in Scotland. I said, oh, they're going to burn the guy off. <laughs> but those guys, no, he ain't burning them off if they can avoid it. The reason is simply because he, he now let me explain what I'm say. Joseph was not guessing. He knew that you are going to live here one day. Now, the place he, they were going to go to was so real to him. He said, please, don't forget my bones. Bone. 
And they actually remembered and took his bones along with them when they were leaving. I'm not even got an issue here. Those people had this eternity. They had this, okay, let me withdraw the word eternity. They thought of life beyond their own lifespan. And it was crucial to them. The reason, the incentive for a man like Abraham, okay, for obeying God, that if he had a personal incentive, it was for things that he was not going to get in his lifetime. That was why if he, if you met him on his deathbed and asked him, okay, how was your life? He had no regrets. Once Isaac was born, Isaac was a confirmation. Listen, Isaac, you know, there was a time Jesus went to raise Lazarus, his friend. And he ex- explained something to them. Do you know why I'm going to do what I want to do? I want to remove every doubt in your mind concerning who you are dealing with. He said it clearly to them. He said, I'm, he said, I'm happy for you that I was not there. What was he saying? I want you to see something that you could never have imagined. They could imagine that the young girl died. In fact, that one was just fresh death. By the time the father left to go and call for Jesus, she was not dead. Between the time he left and when he and Jesus came back was when she gave up the ghost. So the body was probably still warm. That was why they were laughing when she said he's not dead. When he said she's not dead, they felt that she was, he was misinterpreting it. It was just a fresh death. She just died maybe two hours before that. They sent a message to him and said, look, don't trouble the master anymore. Just dying. There was another person he raised up. That one died in the morning. They are buying in the evening when Jesus Christ met them. The only son of the widow of nine. Remember that one? Those men have seen stuff like that. And it wasn't fresh. Also, It wasn't new also. Somebody died two hours before you raised, him from, raised her from the dead. Small girl. Thank you very much. That was very nice. Then a young man died in the morning. Raised him up in the evening. Well, Elisha did that. Remember the woman, it is well. The Shunammite woman, right? She, the boy died, put the boy on the bed and saddled her donkey and went to go and look. It was a few hours trip. So it wasn't new. You raised a young boy, just like Elisha did. It wasn't exactly new. They had heard the story before. The type they had never heard was what Jesus wanted to leave with them as a testimony. You've heard me say this before. Now I'm digressing from my message, okay? <laughs> People argue with you that, uh, you say, if I, grail message, you know grail message, abdrushing, in light of truth. It was founded on one thing that has been disproved by science. The, dispro- the, the, the disagreement with the virgin birth. Somebody who practiced it told to me that it is not possible, the order of life, that Jesus could not have been born according to the account of the scriptures. That it doesn't happen. Then years after, they cloned Dolly. The first mama to be cloned. I wanted to go and wake Abdrushin up. Say, bros, science has proved you wrong. They cloned Dolly out of a cell taken from the breast of a sheep. Abdrushin founded his whole religion on disputing the fact that the conception, the conception of Jesus Christ was by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is what I'm going. Why am I talking about that? This is my argument when people tell me that. Uh, I'm not going to quote for you. The Bible says, no, no, no. Because if you believe the Bible, we won't be having that discussion. No, we wouldn't be having the discussion. 
So for us to be having a discussion, the Bible doesn't say to you. <laughs> but this is the answer I give. I say, if a man walked on water, if he took five loaves and two fish and fed a few thousands, if he went to the tomb, that's where I was going, of a man who's been dead for four days and called him back to life, if he tells me he was born by pollination, I'll believe him. Did you hear what I said? Virgin birth is simple. If we say pollination, I grew up in the petals of a flower. Why wouldn't I believe it? If you, <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting my point. You walked on water. You fed the multitude with a few loaves of bread and two fish. And then you went to the tomb of a man who's been dead for four days and you raised him up from the dead. If you tell me that you came on an asteroid, I will believe you. They say when Haley's comet was passing, he dropped me on the moon. Then I joined Apollo mission and came back to the earth. Why not? The smallest deal is for you to tell me that you are the son of God. Bros, you are the son of God. You are the son of God. There are things you experience in life. If you doubt after that, your name is Hellfire. You can't. You can't. It's just near impossible. There are revelations God gives to you. Ah. God says, listen, even the sinner, there are things he will understand. He will repent and be saved. So let me withhold from him understanding because of his sins. What I want to explain. God did that with Abraham. Back to our story now. And I took a bit of digression there. When Isaac was born, that was confirmation for Abraham. That's why Abraham could die in peace. There was nothing you could tell him. When Isaac was born, he knew that God was alive. His promise would never fail. Even if he did not have more than a thousand square meters to put his tent on, he knew that land was, it was his. And he, listen to this, he was handing it down as an inheritance to his descendants. He got it as far as he was concerned. He didn't physically handle it, but he handled Isaac. Once Isaac was born, when Abraham, when God said that your wife will bear, <laughs> the Bible says Abraham laughed. Now, laughed, he wasn't mocking God. Please, get that clear. It was so overwhelming, he burst into laughter. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Remember that? Then our mouths were filled with what? With laughter. That was what happened to him. It was so overwhelming. So once Isaac was born, he knew the promises of God were confirmed. That's why if you went to him on his deathbed, and said, you left where you were prosperous and moved over to this place and moved up and down. Now you are dying. You have not received any plot of land. He starts laughing at you. Say, you are blind. You can't see anything. I'm not talking about the power of patience, but just follow me. Those men learned to live beyond their 70, 80, 100, 150 years on the earth. They learned to live beyond that. For them, their lives were building blocks in something that God is doing on the earth. A man like Pi Elton, I, had a, I have his book, I've not read the whole book, but I've read bits of his story, but I've heard his stories over time. You know why Pi Elton came to Nigeria? I don't know whether the Lord said to him, go, like, go, but the Lord gave him a vision. When he saw the vision of what God wanted to do, you know what he did? He packed his bag and came. I, I think he arrived in 1930 something. Who knows the story? Yeah, he left, he arrived in the 30s, alright? That's long ago. 
I saw a picture of him cooking with a, an, you know, firewood. Yes, he, he came from England to come and be cooking in Oshobo with firewood. He left instructions when he was growing old that when he would die, they shouldn't spend time burying him. His reason, there's too much work to do. There's too much work to do. So this one of gathering to say a great man passed, please, is not necessary. And when he died, they only waited for his only daughter to arrive. And Pastor Iadeboe went and bought a casket. He brought the casket. As soon as his daughter arrived, they buried him. And his instructions, the instructions had been given. Everybody dispersed. And they all went back to work. He felt it was a waste of time to be uh, what they call a Christian week, and then printing paper, and then you'll be having services for two days, killing cow and killing goats, and say a great man passed on. The man said, you're wasting time, you're wasting money. There is so much work to do. He used to drive up and down Nigeria. Don't think he sat in Oshobu and it was a pilgrimage site for those who wanted to see him. No, he would, he would drive himself from Oshobu to Benin. He would drive himself from Oshobu to a place like Ilorin. Of course, let's not talk about Lagos, which is for him, the backyard. He drove, in fact, when he was getting old, they had to beg him, say, sir, we need to get you a driver so you could travel in peace. Why am I telling this story? The man didn't even think what was going to be achieved would be achieved in his lifetime. He kept on telling people what will happen. Let me give an example now. NYSE. He prophesied NYSE before it happened. You know that? He did. I see that somebody today who says something about prophecy. I want to give a prophecy that, please, if you, are not a, if you are not a believer, don't read it. Because you need faith to understand and decode prophecies. I said it's true. Prophecies are very difficult to interpret before they come to pass. If you can look at the prophecy and think it's false. After it has come to pass, let me give an example now. When the Messiah came, it didn't fit what the Jews were expecting. It didn't fit it. Did not fit it at all. Now, I'm not talking about that. The man said that federal government will pay young people to go all over the country preaching the gospel. Now, who? Will, who <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. No, no. Federal government will pay young people. We hire preachers in Nigeria that Muslims are claiming it's a Muslim nation. Christians are having to dispute that it's not true. We're trying to enforce the fact that the Constitution of Nigeria accepts as a secular country, so it can be anything you want. Then the federal government will bring out money and be paying people to go and preach the gospel. Ah, forget it. But the man said it will happen. Did it happen? Yes. When it happened, it didn't come like federal government employment for um, uh, preachers. It was called National Youth Service Corps. I hope you get my point here. NYSC. Nigerian law wants to go to a higher institution. You finish, before you work, you must serve the nation for one year. They post to different parts of the country. And those ones go to their various places of um, assignment and start what they call Ruraroged. They will go to villages. They go to all kinds of places. And their monthly stipend was paid by federal government. Federal government didn't hire them to preach. They hired them to just serve the nation. Teaching schools. You know, work in local clinics. Work in local government offices. Anywhere you can work. Just walk somewhere far away from your home. But that was the fulfillment of God's plan that they will pay to preach, to spread the gospel. The man said it. 
At least that one, he saw it in his lifetime. And yeah, that one happens. NYC started in the 70s. You understand? Okay, so he saw that one. But many other things that he prophesied, he did not see. But he was willing to live his life in the pursuit of that vision. He came to Nigeria to raise people. He didn't come to Nigeria to live a comfortable life. He said the reason why he had only one child was because being a white man then, of course, he just come to Nigeria. He said to educate his children, he would have had to be going back home. He said that would be a distraction. I hope you follow my point here. In fact, when his first wife died, she was 13 years older than him, all right, in age. When his first wife died, they imported another wife for him. What was her job? Just to come and take care of him. He wasn't looking for a wife in that um, wifely sense. He was aged. The woman that came was also old. I think it was his wife's friend, actually. So, okay, go and live with him in Nigeria. So she packed and came. So, okay, before, for a man to live with a woman, they must be married. So, please, marry her when she arrives. You know that kind of idea. So she arrived. He married her. So she could look after him. The man lived only for the gospel. And what was he doing? Raising men. Raising people. Teaching them the gospel. Correcting them. Leading them in the right path. Why? For the sake of something that he saw that he was not even going to experience. You know, we have reduced ourselves. Ah, you know, <laughs> thank God, oh, Father God, I give you praise. I keep getting more understanding. We've reduced ourselves over time with our gospel of the faith we preached eh, was very childish. The faith that only collects for me. I heard a man say that if I give, I don't know about you, maybe you're spiritual, I am not. I know this kind of false modesty. He said, because if I give, I'm not at rest. I'm not at rest until the harvest starts coming. I'm not at rest until the harvest starts coming. I mean, if I give a thousand dollars, I'm not at rest until the harvest starts coming. Abraham could not have been at rest if he was like you. He would still be turning his grave. I hope you're getting my point. We, we began to live a, a, a false gospel that if I give you a thousand naira, it must produce a harvest for me in my, not my lifetime, now. Man was preaching somewhere, he gave an offering to a church, maybe I think about a millionaire or so. He said he will soon call them with what to produce. I said, You are lying. Stop lying to us. You are absolutely trying to deceive us. You cannot give an offering of a millionaire today and tell me that you will call me within the next three months and what to produce. And of course, he called. He said, I go away. I don't care the call you want to call. I don't believe you. Real offerings will not produce in your lifetime. The offering of Abraham. The one he, what was the greatest offering he gave? Isaac, right? Did not produce anything in his lifetime. He produced it thousands of years later in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and he did not personally benefit anything from it. Let's understand faith. This faith that only collects for me now or in my lifetime is not real faith. The men who really practice faith, that's why we're reading it now. He said, all these died without receiving the promises. They sacrificed. They, they, they took risks with their lives. They, they died, the Bible said, without receiving promises. But listen to me. Without their sacrifices, the promises would not have come to reality. Without Abraham, without Isaac, without Jacob, they will, the, the, the nation of Israel would never have been born. And Jesus Christ would not have been able to come onto the earth. The men sacrificed. 
yet in their lifetime did not receive the promises. The faith that only collects for me during my lifetime is not the faith, it's not the faith of God at all. It's not the faith of God at all. I look at a man like Paul. I don't know how much of it God showed to him. But if he's to look down from heaven, they don't often see, contrary to what we hear, that you have people in heaven looking down at us, people in heaven looking down at us. They really don't look down like that, you know. (laughs) We don't read that Hebrews chapter 12 very well. What he said is that Hebrews chapter 11 is a cloud of witnesses. Are you getting my point? Having this cloud... But we interpret that we look up at the cloud. No. 11 is a cloud. And what is it? They witnessed it. They left their testimonies for you to guide your life by. But let us assume that just by the way. Let us just assume that um, Paul could look down. Now, if you understand what really matters. Like we're talking on Saturday about the thing, approving things that are excellent. If you know what really matters. What really matters in life is not what you enjoy, but what your life produces. I hope, I hope you get my point. The Bible says he will see the result of the travail of his soul, and he will be glad. That is, Jesus will see what he will go through. Then he will see what it will produce. You know, there's, there's something the Bible says, Jesus was not speaking, that you see, when a woman is going to give birth, you understand, she goes through travail, pain, a lot of pain. But she quickly forgets the pain. Why? A child has been born. And when she looks at the child, she, the pain becomes what? Nothing. That wow. So what is the source of the joy for the believer? It is what your life produces, not what you personally enjoy. It's what your life produces. Back to Paul. So if Paul could look down now and look at us gathered here, <laughs> Trying to build our lives according to what he wrote. Then goes across. There's another church somewhere, meeting somewhere now. Of course, right now, not at another time. In this particular moment, equivalent to um, about 6 p.m. Nigerian time, West African time. There will be at least a thousand churches reading from Paul. I mean, at this moment, worldwide. Now, I'm not saying in a day. I said right now. Right now who are quoting and discussing what Paul said, cannot, you know, it's a conservative estimate. It's a conservative estimate. Right now, this moment, if we talk about in 24 hours, oh, that's a church, I'm talking about churches, I'm not talking about Christians who are reading, no. I'm talking about churches who are discussing him, people who are gathered, who are reading from Paul and discussing what he's saying. Right at this moment, cannot be less than a thousand. If we now want to count Christians individually in different corners, studying, ah, where do we start from? If we now say in 24 hours, oh, right now, we will count, we go tired. Even the computer will go hang. Let's not talk about in a year or since Paul departed from this earth. Very importantly, Paul hardly wrote books. Most of the things he, things he wrote were what? Letters. The ones that can qualify for books, maybe Romans, Ephesians, and I believe he wrote Hebrews and the book of Hebrews. Every other thing, a letter to somebody. That's why you find Colossians and Ephesians are very similar. One was he, he sat down to put the triatites the together. Colossians was just writing. Yet, 
half of what you and I call the New Testament, only him accounts for it. If he's to look down now, if God gives him that opportunity to look down, you know, every day he'll just, he'll just cross his leg and be watching TV and smiling, if you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> he'll be happy. Listen, listen, this is your corolla will pass away. I hope you're getting my point. This one that's exciting you, <laughs> it will pass away. Your duplex will pass away. No matter the fine clothes you have, they will pass away. Those things do not excite people like that. I hope you're getting my point. It is what your life produces that excites people that have understanding. So Abraham, he lived in in tents. You don't like it. It's your problem. Bonnie starts looking at his genealogy. No, life people that came after him. The father of faith, that's the name we call him. God will look at a whole nation and say, look to Abraham, your father. When they wanted to describe God until Jesus came, number one, the choicest name was God, the, the God of Abraham. First sentence. That you want to describe the God of the universe, you tell people about Abraham. Now, this is my own pet doctrine. Don't, don't die for it. Are you getting my point? What I'm about to say. Abraham saw stars. God said, look, you see stars. <laughs> this is how I say it. Fly over a developed country at night. And look, you will see stars. One day I went to Nigeria LNG. At night, there's their gas plant. And I stood. In fact, I think that was, it. That was one of the days when I realized what Abraham saw. One of, one of our brothers So, in the, At night we drove out, went towards their plant. And I stood, looked at the plant from a distance. And I said, this was what Abraham saw. <laughs> when you see what looked like heavens, it's just a structure with light all over the place. What am I going to say? I'm convinced, that's my, like as my personal pet belief, that the major developments you see on this earth came because of Abraham. And many of the things that Abraham saw, because you must understand how God used to give people visions, all right? Try to understand how he used to give people visions. How did it take Moses to see everywhere? Spiritual things work funny. So when they say, Abraham, look. Abraham, you think Abraham stood outside. That's what he thought too. In that moment, he's been sucked up and seen things. Took a look, took a look at Paris at night. Looked at Abuja at night. Looked at my house at night. Amen. Amen. <laughs> he looked at, you know, a place like Dubai at night. He looked, and they said, what do you see? He said, I see stars. He said, good. You don't know. You've never seen electricity. What else will you call it? <laughs> he saw those things. For him, it was satisfying that I will be the one to bring these things forth onto this earth. Those people understood how to live, how to enjoy life. You know how, you know how children enjoy life? What you give to them. Many of us, our Christianity is baby, baby Christianity. No, I didn't say childhood. What did I call it? Baby. This child is even learning something already. Baby, we are still sucking. You get my point? We are still crying when they collect something from us. Everything is about what I get, what I get, what I get right now. But that's not what faith is. True Christianity, he said he will see the result of the travail of his soul in Isaiah 53, and he will be glad. Through his sacrifice, he said, my servant will do what he will justify many. 
That is what Jesus, what gladdens Jesus Christ. Listen to me. You know you can make Jesus happy, you can make him sad. I hope you know that. You know he shares tears. You look at us sometimes, he will be pained. Can be happy, can be angry. There are some things that Jesus experiences regularly. Let me start from the bad ones. Sadness, we can make him sad. We can, him, we can make him sorry. Shake his head, say, Abba. And this one too says he's a Christian. Not joking. Angels will pass and say, Lord, what's going on? Say, come. That one says he's a Christian. That one goes to church. Can you see what he's doing? Angels will say, sorry, sir. He feels sad. He feels sorrow. True. He gets angry. He gets angry until his eyes start blazing with fire. You know, I keep on telling people, this tender Jesus, he was crucified though. The one that rose up, don't say I didn't want you. He gets angry. He can be so angry, he will kill one third of the earth with his sword from his mouth at a time. And one day he's going to do that. Right now, I get so angry. I've seen him angry a number of times with the works that come, that come out. 250,000 will die in a day. And the ignorant children of God will say the devil. Jesus said, call it anything you like. They are dead. Yes. But let's not, I said I'll start from the negative. I don't want to sit on the negative. Let's come to the positive. He gets happy also. He gets excited. When he sees any one of us living according to his life pattern, living by true faith, reacting to circumstances because of something that he said and hanging our lives on it, he gets happy. He goes around the gardens of heaven whistling. <laughs> Sir, angels, what's happening? Say, did you see chooks? They slapped him, he turned the other cheek. It's not common. This is Nigeria. <laughs> he did, why? Because I said so. Not because anybody promised him anything. He wanted to turn the other fist. Then he remembered that I said, turn the other cheek. So he turned the other cheek. And he has gone home now. With both cheeks properly slapped. And Jesus is looking and very happy. I'm telling you the truth. He gets excited. When people trust him, he gets excited. Why am I saying this? Let's be careful that we don't just make him sad the way we behave every day. Know that you can put a smile on his face. You can make him happy. He can look at you and be glad. The Bible says he will see what? The result of the travail of his soul. And what? He'll be glad. He'll be glad. He'll be glad. I ask yourself, do I make him glad or do I make him sad? Anytime you are whining and complaining and grumbling and afraid for your future, you're making him sad. When you realize that you're no longer a slave and you cannot run up and down looking for prosperity, that God has freed you in Christ Jesus. When you start living your life like somebody you understand that he was born to be a blessing, anytime he looks at you, in fact, this is what I think, <laughs> anytime you see somebody make him sad, he will look in your direction and say, I need some smile. So let's go to this person's house. You know he goes to people's homes? There are homes he doesn't like to go. He sends an angel. Say they are in trouble. Send one angel, go and spoil it, go and end the trouble. I'm not coming. This is from the Bible. I'm not cooking them up. 
He told Moses, I'm not following you again. <laughs> Moses said, if you won't follow us, we are not leaving. Sometimes he doesn't, he doesn't agree. Now, does he go to these people's homes? Yes, of course, read your Bible. Say, I come to the door and knock, you know. But he said, if a man loves you, what does he say? He will keep my word. And the father will do what? We love him. Then what will happen? I and the father will come and make our abode with him in his house. Everybody said they are going to Jerusalem to go and find Jesus Christ. I said, you don't know my house address? Don't look for, don't, you don't need to travel. Jesus lives nearby. So you are looking for where Jesus is, just check, check, just come and visit me. You will find him there. Just check that I've been obedient. So if you hear me whining and complaining, he has packed. When I, do you get my point? There are people that God has packed out of their homes. Any day you get there, they are whining, they are complaining, they are angry. Jesus said, I beg, don't, don't enjoy me. I'm going somewhere else. I hope you're getting my point here. Listen to me. We need to learn through faith. I know I said, talk about what? The power of what? Patience. That's where I'm going. First, I've established what real faith is, how we live life beyond our little 70 years, 80 years, 120 150, even 180. That's how long we're going to live. We're living beyond that. We're living knowing that we have deposited something important in the building, as a building block in what God is doing on the earth. We're living like a man like um, Pyelton. He deposited something on the earth. So many of those things they deposited, some of us have spoiled them. And personally, I just believe that. You know, there's a way I reason. The Bible says associated with the lowly. Have you heard that scripture before? Yeah. Sometimes when people say that you mates in America, they enjoy more than this. I say some of my mates also left America to come and suffer here. So leave that. I don't know whether you're getting my point. The way you want to tell me that you know, so your mates have accomplished it, I say I have mates that have not accomplished it also. Do you follow my point? And the Bible says I should do what? Associate with the low one. You see where I'm going? Sometimes I look and I realize there are things that God would do. In different, in, okay, let me like this. A plan is having for a future generation can be truncated by an intervening generation. Do you hear what I say? Like now, it's supposed to be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. If Jacob smokes Igbo, starts disobeying God, eh, they will jump his generation and will have like a wasted maybe 60, 70, 100 years. And there are people in the Bible, their names are missing. You don't know. If you read, study Hebrew well, there are missing names. In the scriptures. Oh, there are missing names. You read something from somewhere, you go and read it in Chronicles. They'll be different. The reason, one of the reasons is that sometimes God deliberately jumps certain generations. Just come, leave them, forget them. He jumps generations. And anytime he jumps generations, because we are, uh, because we are here on the earth to count, we start noticing lapses in time. So what God will have done in maybe 150 years, or, okay, let's just say, you'll have done it 40 years. It will not take him 80 years because one generation scuttled it. So there was no progress made in their generation. So God has to wait until he gets another generation to continue the thing he began with one. I've said this here before. I think this is the second time I'm saying it that I can remember. If God does not find the Pieltings who are ready to leave comfort, and settle down for the visions of God. What Pyeltin saw is being limbo for a very long time. Did you hear what I said? What he saw that made him leave England to come to Nigeria. We had, now, Satan is wicked. 
God gave that one to him to, to, pay, to, you know, to execute. In his wickedness, he has enticed many away. People that will have carried on, you know, because what happens is that the thing keeps getting amplified. We'll start with one generation. There's, it's, it's just like you have children, you understand my point? That is Abraham, you know, Isaac, Jacob, then 12. So it's no longer Jacob, Jacob, now they were counting. We're counting 12 sons of Israel. They now find, you know, all the way from Reuben down to Benjamin, they keep multiplying, multiplying, multiplying. Then Benjamin misbehaved and they get almost wiped out. You know, that's what happened to Benjamin. Benjamin went into all kinds of debauchery. God allowed them to be wiped out almost entirely. That's why you hear that there's uh, Israel and Judah. It's not actually Judah. It's Judah and Benjamin. You know the story. But the problem is that Benjamin is so small. Why do you call them? If they had size, the name would have been something else, not Judah. But they are so small, they're just hanging. Hanging. And why did God let them hang? They still, you know, people like Paul had to come from somewhere. Are you getting my point? People like Paul had to be born by somebody. They say, God, let leave this small remnant. So you see, each generation is as multiplying. So you see, Jacob 12. The idea is that each one keeps multiplying. So he said, be fruitful, multiply. I need to feel. Now, this point I'm making. Sometimes the thing starts going, a generation comes, scuttles the progress. Scuttles the progress. I'm convinced in Christianity in a, place, in a country like Nigeria, which God created for his particular purpose, the progress has been scuttled. And what started it was prosperity. Prosperity is wicked. It's very easy to misunderstand. The gospel of prosperity is one of the closest to worldliness. When you are preaching, you have to be very, very careful. Self-righteousness is also bad. But that prosperity thing, eh? Kai. It, <laughs> how do I know? Read your Bible. Jesus never said, beware of self-righteousness. Well, there's something like that, actually. Beware of the dogs. Paul said that one. They were talking about self-righteous people. But when Jesus would speak, he said, beware of what? Covetousness. A man cannot save God and mammon. That, now, that's my own thought. You can have a different perspective of it. But when prosperity came in and began to preach, now listen, I keep on saying it, it is not a wrong doctrine. It is a preaching and the practice of it that may be wrong. Fundamentally, it's a correct doc- doctrine. My cities, true prosperity shall yet be spread abroad. It's the word of God. I hope you're getting my point. Alright? So it's a correct doctrine. But you know, it tends to attract people who are not serious. Like they said once, I don't know whether it really happened like that or just an illustration. That one day they were in the Vatican, they were counting money. Counting money. Plenty of money. And that the Pope or one big cardinal said, hmm, gone are the days when the apostles would say, silver and gold we do not have. Then one priest said, and gone are the days when they could say, take up your bed and walk. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. And the priest answered, okay, we lost both of them. We lost poverty and lost power. <laughs> now that's, that's my own thinking. That's my own thinking. I believe that, that's what I'm just convinced about. That until God raises men like that, you see that the Bible says that Abraham dwelt in tents with Isaac and with Jacob. Until he raises men like that, when I say men, I don't mean male alone, you know, both men and women. Until people like that are raised with that kind of spirit, what the original people saw will not happen. 
And I think in this generation, we need to go back to examine those lives and see what God said to them, what he demanded of them, how they should walk, and how they walked, and where they stopped. So he said in, in Jeremiah chapter 6, go back and check what? The ancient parts. Where the fathers walked, and then walking that. Live a life of self-denial. Live a life that is not concerned about what do I get on this earth, but what do I leave behind as my own contribution to the building that God is building? What am I putting down as my own blocks that I contributed? That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. That is what he's saying. I'm talking about the power of patience. What is patience? You're talking about faith. You're talking about patience. I'm t- let me not tell you what I mean by patience. Bear things I've said in mind. Now, what is patience? Now, this is what people think patience is. I will wait until my change comes. Let me tell you what patience is. Real Christian patience. I wait. I don't care what's coming. Did you hear what I said? I wait. I don't care what is coming. If I die in the waiting place, I will have left a spirit behind that the next generation will run with. You know what? When we misunderstand patience, this is what happens to us. We, we, let me give an example now. I'm going to use as an example because that's what we preach a lot. We preachers give, all right? So we keep giving because they said that we'll be pushing seed and giving. And one day, one day, one day, we'll have given so much, heavens will what? Open. We now start living under open heavens. Amen. Money will now start falling from every corner. I've heard it preached many times. And let me tell you the truth. It's not true. It's not, the doctrine is not right. Let me say it straight. There's no need trying to pretend. My name is Amos and Jeremiah. Right? I, I think I have another. Is it Obadiah too? I have another name. I'm going to add to these things. <laughs> oh, I've been done it for a very long time. I was done here before I started ministry. This ministry has put a prophetic all kinds of names on me now. Just the offending people. Okay, Ezekiel is part of it. You know Ezekiel and Jeremiah? Those people, they are some of the... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my father. They were something else. Ezekiel and Jeremiah. You know, prophet... Let me just say the truth here. Just an, an aside, right? Prophets are never really popular people. Though. Eh? Prophets. They are troublemakers. I'm going to tell you so that will make you laugh. I won't tell you the name of the person. I won't tell you the name of the second person. Both of them you know. At least you know their names. I'm not saying they've come to your house for dinner. I just mean that you know the names. Prominent people in this country. They say one day, one big man of God in his house, some other ministers went there. They went to visit me like Kingdom was doing ministers' conference. As ministers come, and I take them to my house. So when I go, you know, go around, I show them my cars. You, know, you see Lincoln, you see, you know, BMW, you see, you know, Rolls Royce. Ah, ah. So the young ministers are looking at your guy, Oga, Omo, see Moto. And I take them into, you know, this really happened. And I went into the man's house, you know, this house, showed them all kinds of things that God had blessed him with materially. He even showed them, you know, let me not go into detail, this he showed. Just like, you know, Ezekiah and them. <laughs> showed them all kinds of things. So all the men, a lot of younger ministers there. They were there. Wow, they were so impressed. Then I asked one of them, so boy, what do you think? Not the way they were, he was looking. He said, what do you think? You know what he said? Uh-huh. This is what happens when a man has lost direction in life. He said, this is what happens when a man has lost direction in life. And he said it in the hearing of the big man. 
All the young boys, can you imagine somebody telling me that kind of thing? Okay, Mute will just cover his ears. <laughs> I can just imagine Ndoka disappearing into the ground. Say, eh? You don't even get respect. You know what the man of God said? The big man. He didn't take offense, though. Yes, okay, leave him, leave him. We know him, and that's how he behaves. That's what he said. He just said it straight. He said, this is what happens when, when these men have lost direction. And he said, the man was there. That man was a real prophet anyway, by the way. I won't go give you details. No, re, re, real prophet. Now, prophets, I just mean that they are not really, they are not people that really, really like. They say things. These are, these, all these are popular prophets. You should know that the spirit of prophecy has disappeared. Back to what we're trying to say. Where, where did I stop before I started talking about prophecy? So the doctrine doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Patience, I give and give and give, and then it start raining. Let me tell you what real giving is. I give and give and give. If I lie, let me die in the process. If God doesn't give me anything back, it's his personal problem, not mine. What he gave to me that I'm giving is his, is his, is his, is his money, is his material things. I'm just making sure each time that I'm a faithful steward of God's provisions. That's all. Let me tell you why it's important you get this right. Those who work in the first kind of patience I'm talking about, that first kind of patience, they get discouraged after a while. I've seen it before. They get discouraged. Like when we were praying at the beginning here, Pastor Kim told us something, that remember to forego of self-righteousness. And that's why when we begin to pray here, we always announce, no, we declare it. We have not come in the power of the good works which we have done. Because when people think of their good works, after a while, it happens again and again. They get, you know, hope deferred. They get tired. They get weary of doing good. They get weary of doing good. And when you get weary of doing good, you never see the reward. I don't care how long you have done it. Once you are tired. I know some po- you see, you know when we interpret things, because you see the Paul said that if you don't get weary, if you, you, you will see the what? If you faint not. You see what? Do not get weary of doing good. In due season, you will see the... Exactly, if you don't faint yet. Now, this is why I'm saying this is this. Most of us, when we interpret that, we interpret it again with our fleshly mind. If I keep giving eventually. No. Go and read Jesus Christ. He will see the result of the travail of his soul. And what? He will be glad. Let me give you an example. We broadcast the word of God as of today in Nigeria. And I don't know about... I'm not talking about us in Nigeria. Uh, online, all of that. Okay, physically speaking, in Nigeria, we broadcast as of today 23 radio stations. God has really increased us to that level, and the, and like I said, each one is paid for. There's not, there's not as free. The, the, the only one that I even used to air my voice free once in a while. Then the spirit possessed them. They drove okay, with away <laughs> until he goes to find sponsors. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, something better, something. All right, the Lord is good. <laughs> Otherwise, anywhere you hear my voice on radio in Nigeria, 23 stations of them is paid. Most of them will disburse the money from Kingdom World Ministries account. A few, somebody from somewhere, will pay. One, we split the payment. Some people will pay part, we will pay part. But more than 20 stations will have to disburse money on a month, well, quarterly basis. Now, this is where I'm going. After, you know, you can do that kind of thing for like 10 years. Then somebody will ask you, what are you gaining? Ministry has not even changed your car. The money you spend in six months, 
We never hammer. If we, if we convert that money to, if we give unto Toyota, they go do or something stronger. We give unto you no sin, sir. No sin go give you a higher one. I hope you're getting my point. But you know what the Bible says? Do you want your nation redeemed? You will say yes. He said, keep on doing it. Don't let there be any interruption. If you pump that word out like that for 10 years, in the 11th year you get tired, you won't see anything. So he will say to you that sometimes, guys, you will take, if, if, if you're about to go down and you find you have two cars, sell one, continue paying. When you have sold a car, you will pray because you know the next car may soon go. You will get on your knees. Kaba, voshu, kabala, tu, pa, suku, pa. Hey, God, that's so, pala, yetin, danemo. If you pray that kind of prayer, he answers. The one that has been hard for God to answer is your Toyota prayer and the Honda prayer. The real prayer, he answers quickly. The one that's like, God, my friends are driving this thing. All I've asked you for Toyota till now, you have not done anything. Because where did you want to go that you could not go? Last yesterday, I went to the KK. Hey, but you got there now. <laughs> but when you say, ah, Father, no, 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 no. We have put 10 years broadcasting here. No, we don't. Oh, no, 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 no. Ah. God said, what do you have in your house? <laughs> That money way that you see, you know, God knows sometimes how to collect money. You've been saving that everybody has been going to Dubai for holiday. Now, this year you go, go. God said, You ain't going anywhere. You don't save the money for 18 months. Your wife don't the longer truth. You know, your wife's, your wife's truth don't the long. You now hear that one particular area, the world is not moving there again. There's no money. Then you now say, How can I dwell in my paneled holiday? When the house of God is lying desolate. Tell your wife, heaven is better than Dubai. Your wife, what are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. So the Lord said, <clears throat> no, there are times when you want to do something seriously, you go call God. <laughs> when you want argument, you say, my spirit, say, this guy no go here. He say, I was praying this morning and it was impressed upon my spirit by the spirit of God. Any woman argues with that is a witch. <laughs> You using it, you are a bad wizard too, but I mean, <laughs> spiritual intimidation. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, what I'm going to say is that, so we don't faint. We don't faint. That's what it meant. We will reap, reap the reward. Go and read your Bible well. The reward of obedience to God is a plan of God succeeding by your hand. Yes. When God wants to reward your obedience, it's not money. It's that the plan of God succeeds in your hands. Please bear this I'm saying in mind. So what is patience there for? It is not as if, you know, I'm looking for, I keep on giving. I use that money as an example. I give, give it to God. So I, no. Like I said the other day, okay, I was teaching in Benin, that we don't give because we don't want to get. We get because we want to give. Oh, it's the Bible. We don't give because we want to get. We get because we want to give. Who said it to us? Paul. He said, let the one that is stealing do what? Steal no more. What should he do? Let him go and walk with his hands. Why? So you have something to, to give. Paul said, go and get. So you too will join those who are giving. But you know, we turn it around. That's what do you do? You give 
So you can get. No. He says, I have given you so you can do what? Give. God said, I give to you. He said, he that ministers what? Seeds to the sower and bread for food. We both multiply your seed for sowing. What does he do? He multiplies your seed for sowing. And then increases the harvest of your righteousness. What does that mean? That is your good works. He said he gave, he said he gave to the poor. He's scattered, no, he said he scattered abroad. He gave to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. What does it mean? What he did endures forever. And we see it from scriptures. Isaiah 53. Jesus said, the Bible says concerning Jesus Christ, that he will see the result of the travel of his soul and he will be what? He will be glad. The reward of faithfulness is participating in the fulfillment of the plan of God. If it's going to happen after your generation, you know what God does? Let me tell you how he rewards you. He gives you what? A clear vision of it. So that your soul rests. Do you get my point? Look at a man like Simeon. He prayed, I don't know for how long. I perceive. Simeon prayed for up to 70 years. I don't know why I chose 70. What did God give to him? God said to him, you will not die. Until what? Your eyes see the salvation of God. So the day he held Jesus, he said, now. Do you know that kind of, that kind of satisfaction? Ha! Now your servant can depart in peace. That my eyes have seen the salvation of God. Satisfaction. Jesus had not grown. Baby brought to the temple. Yet the man was happy. He was totally satisfied. That was why Joseph died and said, please, guys, I saw you, I saw you people going back, carrying my bones up. That was why Abraham could die in peace once he received Isaac. He knew Isaac was not the plan. He knew Isaac was for him so that he would die in faith. That faith has to remain on the earth. It's part of charging the atmosphere for the fulfillment of the promise of God. Oh, yes, very important. Let me take a side trip. That's why don't let NSAS discourage you. Don't let anything that's happened in this nation discourage you. Don't let like the fact that police people ran away into it and refused to come back to the road discourage you. Look. Don't be discouraged. Listen, let me tell you the truth. It's the word of God. Listen to me. Angels have replaced them. Listen. Angels have replaced them. If they want their work, that's their problem. Angels have replaced them. Let me tell you what you do, wherever you are listening to me from. Instead of being afraid, go and buy a bottle of oil. Read over Psalm 91. Read over Psalm 121. Then go around your premises and sprinkle it everywhere. You know, we don't do enough juju in Christianity. That's our problem. Do juju. If your heart won't be afraid, carry you. Don't buy one bottle. Who's able to sell? Carry a bucket of water. If you can't afford plenty of oil, carry a bucket of water. Speak into the water and sprinkle your neighborhood. You will kill a snake the next day. I mean, you come next day, you see a snake is dead. That water killed it. I know what I'm telling you. I'm not kidding about it. Don't let anything discourage you. That's what I'm going to make. Because faith must be left on the earth. It's so important to God. Though. He said, what's the problem? If the Son of Man returns, what will he do? He said, will he find what? Faith on the earth. And everybody will have disappeared from faithlessness to different parts of the world. Bear it in mind. What is patience? That's what I'm discussing. The power of patience. Patience is understanding that whatever God has given me now, 
I do it. That's my life. I'm not changing. It gets results. It doesn't get results. It doesn't concern me. Once I know it to be right, it is right. And I continue doing it. Patience is, listen, you know, the other day, my wife and I were in the house. We're studying. I don't know what I were reading or, anyway, we're discussing scriptures anyway. Oh, some months ago. And you know, when Elisha was about to die, he called the king of Israel and said, of course, that one came to him and said, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. So just a second. I just want to open the scripture. And the man took him, told him to strike. Okay, Joash was the king that time. Joash was the king at that time. So he told him, take a bow and arrows. So he took bows and arrows, a bow and arrows, and he told him, shoot. Okay, that was after he put his hand on the hand of the king of Israel. And as he put the hand on the bow, and he put his hand on it, then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands, and he said, open the window towards the east, and he opened. Elijah, Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, that is Syria, for you will defeat the Arameans at Afek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. That's the king took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Now, this is where I'm going. He said, strike the ground. And the man struck the ground three times and stopped. And the Bible says the man of God was angry with him. I'm reading, of course, sorry, from 2 Kings chapter 13. He said, and the man of God, don't bother opening to it. I just want to, that's part of the reason why I didn't tell initially. Because I know you start flipping up and down. Just listen to the gist from my mouth, all right? <laughs> the man of God was angry. That's verse 19 now. And said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you will have struck Aram until you will have destroyed it. He said, but now you shall strike Aram only three times. Now, this is where, I think we're reading it at home. My wife now brought out an issue. The point was that, why did he not tell him? Her own concern was that because if Nami too, after striking two times, nobody strike you. You just say strike many times. You just say strike. I was saying, oh God, don't hit her. Hit any other thing. So she was, she was in quote, in quote, now worried for her own personal obedience. What would I have done? Even me, I said, now wow. This spiritual work, eh? we keep learning every day. So, you know the lesson I took from there that day? I shared it with her. I said, when the Lord says strike, continue striking until he says stop. That's it. He says strike. Just did there. Are you mad? He says strike. Are you normal? It doesn't matter. I'm just striking. He doesn't say stop. I will not stop. If my left hand is tired, I'll put my right hand. If my right hand is tired, I'll put my left hand. If that one is tired, I'll put my foot. If all limbs are tired, I'll call Aaron. And all, I will give them to be striking while I take a nap. When I come back, I shall continue striking. Until the prophet says stop. That's what they call what? Patience. Patience is locating the instruction of God and keeping at it permanently. I'm che- Look, I didn't say until you see result. I said what? Permanently. Because many men have died and did not see any result. But the fulfillment... The fulfillment, that is, you get my point? The fullness of it was not going to happen in their generation. 
That's the point I'm making. The fullness wasn't going to come in their generation, but they needed to keep striking until God will bring the next generation to continue the work. We need to start thinking beyond our generation. We need to start realizing that many things you are believing God for may not have actually happened to your generation. It does not mean that you are a failure. Sometimes to bring a multitude out of poverty, a man will endure, oh, please get my point. He will endure affliction. If Pyelton was looking for prosperity, was it Africa he would have come to look for it? No. But from the little I know about church history in Nigeria, there's none of these big prominent men, the senior ones, that he did not personally influence. None. I met one man, you know, father to one of our brothers. <laughs> he said, when the man comes to this, that it's as if, that if man looks at you, it's as if he can see, you see him seeing through you, as if he's looking through you at the back, at this, you know, that you can't commit any, if you know he's coming, you will repent before God reveals your secrets <laughs> to this old white man. Everybody stood in awe of him. If he's showing up, everybody's afraid. Say, ah, piety is coming. Did you do anything wrong in the last one week? Please, so confess so that God will not have to disgrace us in front of this man. It was such a holy, literally holy man of God. Driving himself up and down at an old age. Meanwhile, we still, we still preach the gospel of a car befitting of a pastor. As if it's a sin for a pastor to drive himself. Listen, if you can afford a driver, get one. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But it has nothing to do whether you are a man of God or you are not a man of God. It's not a, it's not a staff of office, how, how affluent your life is. It's not a staff of office. It's not a sign of spiritual authority at all. Actually, it's, it's, it's worldliness. It's pure worldliness. If you can afford a car, buy it. If you can't, it's nothing. Do you get my point? It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. I don't know what I, I hope you're getting my point. It's nothing. It's nothing. It's saying like a ministry is not growing. <laughs> Does it mean anything? I said, one day I went to the bank. A young man saw me, one of the bank officers. He said, Pastor Banky, I said, yes. Uh-huh. What are you doing here? Ah, I came to buy tomato and fish. Do people have fresh pepper? Nonsense, it's a bank. You're asking me. <laughs> you can't remember the joke of the guy that called Airtel of call center. Said, Do you have fresh rice? <laughs> you remember that joke? They said, Please, this is, this is Airtel Nigeria. I said, I know. Do you have 50 kg bag of rice? <laughs> and they were like, What? He said, No. Okay, if you don't have, do you know where I can get it? <laughs> the people were confused. He said, okay, oh, so if you are, you're upset, eh? Why you be calling my number? <laughs> You'll be offering me all kinds of promos. <laughs> That is good. <laughs> it was a big joke that time. And the young man saw me in the bank. He said, what are you doing here? I looked at him. I came to bank. I mean, it's a bank. He said, no, that I go to the bank. It took me a while to understand what was confusing him. That you are Pastor Banky. You shouldn't be coming to the bank. Don't you have boys who go to the bank for you? 
That's when I realized that I should actually have boys who go to the bank for me. <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> the guy said, ah, he actually said it to He said, with all the, bro- this were his words. He said, sir, with all the radio broadcast and all of that, you see, come to the bank. I did not know it was his sin for a man who preaches the word of God on radio to, to go to the bank. And I still remember what I was thinking. So what if he sees me at night with my shorts buying fuel? Because sometimes at night, they say, ah, maybe there's no power and the, the, the fuel in the gen is low. You will carry Jerry Kanda. You know we'll go buy fuel because you're a man of God. If I, if you say, oh, man of God, pay for the fuel. Don't tell me you shouldn't be here. Don't matter foolish, but you should have given me an offering. Say I shouldn't come to the bank. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. No, some of those they are not necessary. We just create unnecessary, you know, a signs of position for ourselves. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. It's not a sign of spiritual authority at all. The most important thing is self-denial. What, are we willing to deny ourselves for the sake of what God wants to do in our generation and even generations after? That's what I'm discussing. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to do that? What is patience? That's what, I, that's what I'm trying to explain. Patience is that I've located what I'm supposed to be doing. And that I will continue to do. The prophet says strike. Let me tell something to you. Godliness is what? Discipline. What did I say? Godliness. Say it again. Godliness, Godliness is discipline. He said to Timothy, train yourself or discipline yourself for what? The purpose of godliness. What does that mean? It means sometimes doing what is right can be tiring. You will exercise yourself until you are able to do it. That's the point I'm making. Doing what is right can be tiring. You know, I like this illustration. I went to a, for a couple's meeting some years ago. It was December and I felt I was on break, so at certain I don't like to talk, I don't like to say, as long as you have anything to say, I said, no, nothing. But after a while, I couldn't stand it anymore. I had to speak. It was a couple's meeting and they were discussing husband-wife matter. And I, sometimes I wonder why we keep on making marriage look like, like a problem. Everything, we're always trying to solve it. Anyway, that's a discussion for another day. So that day they were talking about how to get something from your husband and the women were, different women were talking. And of course, I, I noticed that all of them, all the people speaking, most people were, were equally men and women there because most people came with their spouses, you understand? Okay? But everybody talking on how to get something from your husband was a woman. Now, for your information, that should, should have let them know that they are lying. Why didn't you ask the men, how do we get things from you? Jukes, you get what I'm trying to say? As me, we are 40 there. 20 of you are females. 22 of you are males. They say, how do you get something from your husband? And you are not telling each other. That's why you have not gotten anything from him. Instead of you to ask, guys, how can we get something from you? And they will tell you. To get something from us is not hard. They will start telling you step one, step two. But one woman after another say, what you do is that you will rub his back. When he comes from work, you will take his back. You will say, nai, welcome. <laughs> you will cook his best meal. 
You get fresh yogurt. You know? No, yogurt is the reason why I'm saying yogurt, because my wife is here. She knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> you will get, the, yes, you don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you will do this, you will do that, you will do this. They finish describing it. The one woman asked her, What if you have done all of this? You did it work. Some men are stubborn. But more importantly, women, they are not being stubborn. They are using the wrong method. They are using witchcraft <laughs> to manipulate a man of God. How can it work? He said, what if you have done all of this? Another woman put up her hand. And you will now, you will now, after a while, I put up my hand. I say, don't do. This is my quietness. You know, it was like fire in my bones. I could not withhold it. I said, please, let me talk. Say, this is just pure manipulation. Oh, yes, manipulation. The repress calls it witchcraft. I said to them, all these you have described, if you know they are good, do them whether you want something or you don't want something. Your husband cannot be jumbo when you don't need anything because now when you need something. What is wrong with you? Are you normal? If you know it, like I keep on telling women, stop calling. Look, this is, I'll give you the word of God. This is not America. Are you get my point? Stop calling your husband his first name. Like say, Nah, you. One guy for your office. Nonsense. You have to choose a name that when, they, when, when somebody passing hears, we know you are honoring somebody. Not John, you are wasting my time. I've been standing here for the last five minutes. You know, when you hear some women talk to their husband, you'll be ashamed, ashamed for Christianity. This is how you like to be wasting my time. I say, hey, you know what God said? Take it to your governor. Will he take it from you? That is, there are things you cannot tell your boss in the office. When you get home, you open yak, John. <laughs> Let's not go there now, John. Our boss is feeling very happy. Say, tell them. This is word of God to them. <laughs> I told the woman that day, I said, please, let's stop all this manipulation. Let's stop all this witchcraft. Let's learn righteousness. It's called godliness with contentment. As if it is right, do what is right. Do it because it is right, not because you need something. That's what is called patience. This is the interesting part. That is the kind of faith that actually brings a blessing. The faith that's not doing anything because it wants to get something. Just doing it because it is right. That is the patience we are talking about. That whether I get it in my generation or not, I continue doing it. Whether I get a reward for giving or not, I continue giving. Why? Giving is part of godliness. It's a trait of God. Giving is a trait of our Heavenly Father. I said, be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. I make it a culture. And I tell people, say, eh, eh, clear your account and give a special seed. I tell Christians, don't bother. When they tell you that they are manipulating you most times. Let me help somebody streaming from somewhere. They told you on Sunday, clear your account. You've not been able to clear it today, today because you're not there sure. So God said, tune in. I was, Kogi is running in my head. I think the person is, is, is streaming from Kogi. Don't worry. There's no need. There's no need. Don't clear anything. Leave the account there. Do you know why? He said, don't get tired of doing good. If you do it today, can you do it again next week? No. Anything you can't do regularly, don't start it. 
Say, Pastor Bang, can somebody ever clear his account? Listen, if my child is sick and all my money will treat him, won't I clear it? Wait till you understand the purpose for which you are clearing something. Not because somebody says, if you clear it, heaven will open. Was it closed before? Was it closed before? Listen. You don't do those things to manipulate God. You learn, why I talked about that is that, learn a culture. Like this giving thing, make it what? A culture. Make it a culture. You go to a church, you're a member of that church, this is how much you earn. Know that whether it rains or it does not rain, whether there's hamatan or there's no hamatan, this is the amount of money I give them on a monthly basis. Because from there, we maintain the, uh, the staff, the church staff, both the preaching and the non-preaching staff. We maintain the building. We do all the things we are supposed to do. Do it regularly. Apportion it at the beginning of, that is, once you get the money, have it apportioned already. If there are emergencies, we know there are emergencies. They will do what we can to meet the emergency. Do that on a regular basis. As God blesses you, let them feel the blessing. The other place you are supposed to give money to, apportion that money like that and let it go everywhere. Let nobody manipulate you because you are soon going to get tired. That's my emphasis. You will get tired. Many people are tired of giving. I've seen them before. They cleared their account last year. This year they did special seed, Isaac offering, Buffalo seed. They did all kinds of things. Their lives have not changed. Next time they see a pastor, they say these pastors are thieves. They are not thieves. They are the one that's a fool. They are not thieves. You don't give into a culture. Know how you do your giving. I'm talking about the power of patience. What is patience? It's just locating what is right to do. And doing it all the time. And recognizing that some of the things you are doing will not fully manifest in your generation. It does not mean you should be discouraged. That's what I'm making. That God, now let me go back to this and I close with it. Like I said, I'm just going to teach today. Then we'll give thanks and we'll go. That God began a thing, I feel like speaking about Nigeria again. That God began a thing many years ago. There is something that will say a man like Payelton came to Nigeria. Now we're heading for 100 years of anniversary of that, okay? When, when the year 2020 now. So, so it's maybe about 15 years ago a year, okay? So it's, it's something years now. He came and he began to prophesy. And I'm saying to you that the seed he dropped in that generation, we are losing it. We need to pick that button again. There are things that people like that saw that made them come. Many of us see a little bit of hardship. You know what we do? We run away. Hardship is part of life. Come on, get used to it. It's part of life. You say, ah, Pastor Banky, when God solves one hardship for you, you step into another one. You, step, you keep on solving problems. That's what I'm going to say. Get used to it. Just know that you are a solution provider. You know, in person, you know, it annoys when Christians want to make decisions. Let me say something about faith. Faith is a risk. Did you hear what I said? Faith means if I perish, let me perish. Faith is not that, oh, amen, praise God, I've secured the destiny. In some of them, they say, Job did not tithe. That's why he had problems. <laughs> Have you had that problem with that joke before? Faith is a risk. Let me tell you the truth. You know what faith is? Just throw your life in the hands of God. Whatever he likes, let him do with it. 
That's what faith is. Faith means that you have chosen to follow the Lord Jesus Christ wherever he will lead you to. Let him lead you there. Paul was called, and from the beginning they told him what he will suffer for the sake of Christ. Of all the twelve apostles of the Lamb, eleven of them died for the gospel's sake. Eleven of them. Out of twelve. Why did God do that? I believe the Holy Spirit will give me understanding on that. They were the apostles of the Lamb. They had to go the way of the Lamb. They, they did, there was no other choice. The only way not to die like Jesus was not to be one of the twelve. Because that, that, sitting around him, that was what it meant. He said, if you sit around me, you have to drink of my cup. The only fellow that didn't die that way, somebody said he hasn't died till now. That's John. Apostles of the Lamb. It wasn't that their God couldn't defend them. Peter was there. God removed him and brought him out. They stoned Paul to death. God took him. He could do it, but he said when it was their dying time, Paul said something. He said, no, sorry. John was writing. That when the, when the Lord said something to Peter, he said he indicated by that the kind of death by which you glorify God. I hope you're getting my point. That his death was to glorify God. Paul made it clear. Whether it's by living or by dying. As long as we glorify God. It, listen, it's important we get it. We have not been called to a life of comfort. So suffering, hardship, stop making it look as if because I have faith, things must never be difficult. What is faith? Even if they are difficult, the purpose we are heading for must be saved. Until we have people that have this kind of mindset, the vision of Pyelton and men like him will remain suspended. That's the point I'm making. What is faith? Uh, what is patience? Listen, the prayer you were praying for this country five years ago, you con- that is the right prayer, so I don't mean all my enemies die. I mean the right prayers. You continue praying it. Whatever. Listen, whatever you see, you don't, con- you don't stop praying it because it's being weighed. Do you hear my point? Yes, it's being weighed. There's a crucible. They are weighing it. They are checking. And the prayer, you must understand, I just have a perception. That if anybody draws back, my soul, it says what? We have no pleasure in him. His prayers are removed. Yeah, you don't have, my soul will have no pleasure in him. So he started praying for your nation 20 years ago because of the purpose of God. Not because of the pride, you know, I'm black and proud kind of thing. Because of the purpose of God. Maintain it even if you die in the process. Maintain it till you die. Because, in fact, when you die better, you know why I say better? Now you can't spoil it. When you're alive, you can draw back. You know that kind of thing. Now you can't spoil it. It's permanently sealed. The weight is being gathered. It's permanently sealed therein. A particular generation will now come. That what God showed to men almost a hundred years ago as visions will become manifested in everyday life. Listen, what Satan tries to do is to discourage people. The Bible says he will wear out the saints. What he tries to do is to discourage people. You know how he does that? Newspaper, riot, poverty, hunger. People get, start getting discouraged. The United unemployment is 25% amongst the youth. The woman said that the government should know that the youth are still there. They don't have job, so answers has not ended. So you have to end poverty. You see all kinds of threats. It's in the news. 
Engineer to discourage you. Engineer to make you stop praying. Engineer to make you lose heart. Engineer to make you think that it's not working. What have I come to tell you today? Don't ever be discouraged. Whether it works in your lifetime or not, it is working. Let me say it again. Whether it works in your lifetime or not, it is working. The plan of God will be manifested. I don't have the fullness of understanding of what those men saw. And I didn't even come here today thinking of them. But one thing I'm sure of is that God is crying out. I said this about him, I think a week ago, that there's a cry in the spirit. That says, who shall I send? Who will go for us? God is looking for people that will carry that button from that generation and not drop it. Many collected it and dropped it along the way. In this generation, especially the younger people coming into their 20s, their 30s, please, if you're a preacher, talk to them. Let them redirect their eyes away from worldly success. Let them understand sacrifice of faith. People have to make those sacrifices. They will make it in different paths. You see, because many of us think it's just about preaching alone. It's not about preaching. They will go into business, they will make the sacrifice there. They will go into academies, they will make the sacrifice there. They will go into governors, they will make the sacrifice there. That's what God is doing. They will go into every sphere of life and they will make those sacrifices there. They will do business in such a manner that somebody will ask me, are you an idiot? He said, no, this is the only way that the Lord said we should do it. But you're not making good money like this, but we are surviving. But we are holding on to the faith here. So you are a civil servant. This is how we get to do this thing. So if you don't do it, you don't have enough money. Say, but God gave me this job. You know God gives people jobs. You know the major reason why we don't have work? We don't want the one God is offering. Number one reason Christian young men and women don't have work, they are not taking the one God is offering. They've, they've given God the one that they want. Because that's not the one I'm offering. Sometimes the one is offering you, the pay is one-fifth, the one you're asking for. Say, there are no jobs. God said, I gave you your job two years ago. You didn't take it. What do I do? Say, go back to two years ago. Go and check the one I gave you. How do I know it's the one? See, they needed you. You had the skill. Say, sir. Yes, that's all I'm telling you. They needed you. You had the skill. You worked there for two weeks, and you saw the impact you would have made. But when you saw that, you know the big house like this? You check. They don't go buy a car like this. But I made it clear to you that they chop like this. Rent go come for a small self-con like this. And let me tell you something. You cannot predict what God wants to do tomorrow. You can be earning 10000 today. In a year, God makes it a million. Okay, let me pray a prayer for you. Then we'll go home. I need to pray this prayer for you. Father God, for everyone listening to me, do something in their lives or around them that will let them know how great your work can be. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, do something strong in righteousness that they will see. You know the way you raised Lazarus from the dead? The way Isaac came into the life of Abraham and he couldn't doubt you again. Do it for my listeners this evening in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name. Remember, we are going everywhere with that spirit of the overcomer. We are picking up the button so that what God plans to do, it will not not be truncated in our generation. 
Whatever suspension we have placed upon it, we remove it right now. We return to a life of sacrifice, a life of full commitment to Christ Jesus. And we know that indeed we are the light of the world, we are the salt of the earth. Through us, God will effect something in this nation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let's bow down and let us pray. Let's just say, Father, thank you. Let's give the Lord thanks and say, Father, thank you for your word that you have sent to us this evening. Thank you, Lord, for that spirit of patience again. Thank him. Thank him. For grace that has been released for you to stay in your place of assignments, the place that the Lord has planted you, grace has been released. So thank the Lord. Remember, the Lord is the, is the work of God. He's the one doing this work in you. He's helping you, helping you, strengthening you. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Because you are the one walking through me. I thank you, Lord, for that grace to be patient. That grace to stay. That grace to continue. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, we bless you for this charged atmosphere. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for that transformation that is already happening in us. Lord, we give you praise. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's share the grace and fellowship. Today is your first time of coming. Um, there's um, just on to page 11 of the magazine that you were given. And you will see how we share the grace. Page 11, you see a black box at the bottom of that page. Shall we share the grace in unison? One, two, three, let's go. Because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out of curse into the blessing. All things are passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and we walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion, and manifestation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Give that last two lines to your neighbors. Say this is your season. One more person.